Robert Wilson sat down with Jennifer Tipton for an interview in December of 1987. I'm Hope Clark, a member of Stage Directors and Choreographers Society, and this is Masters of the Stage. This program is produced and presented by the Stage Directors and Choreographers Foundation in collaboration with the American Theatre Wing. Well, I feel a little bit in awe at <laughs> this occasion. A little bit nervous about it, but um, I have enjoyed my collaboration with Bob extensively and hope through his answers to some of my questions that you can experience that also. And Bob, I wonder if you could tell me a little bit your ideas about space and time and form seem so refined and so precise and I find it quite, I find theater quite difficult media, medium for such ideas and just wondered how you began and how it interested you in the beginning and how you evolved. I was born in Texas. My red landscape is still in my head. I think there have been uh, three <clears throat> major influences on the work that I'm doing now. The first uh, major influence I think was looking at the dance, looking at dance. In particular, the work of uh, <clears throat> of uh, George Balanchine and later Merce Cunningham. When I first came to New York, uh, I went to see Broadway plays and I didn't like them. And I still don't, for the most part. And I went to the opera and I didn't like it either. I still don't for the most part. But I saw the work of, of Balanchine and I liked it very much. And I still do. And there was a, <clears throat> a different kind of space uh, with Balanchine's work that I didn't <clears throat> experience when I went to Broadway to the opera. Simply there was, there was more space. more time to think. It was less imposing. <clears throat> the attitude of the performer with Balanchine was very different from the attitude of the, of the actors and the singers. This construction of the time and space was different. The architecture was different. I particularly like the abstract work. You simply watch architectural patterns and listen to music. The dancer danced for himself and not for me. So he allowed me the time and the space to go to him. <clears throat> the second influence, major influence in my work was uh, 
the meeting of a deaf mute child who had never been to school. And it was thought that he was uneducable. And the family with whom he lived didn't understand that his problem was one of not hearing. And my first major work in the theory was written in collaboration with this young man. At that time, his face also was, was very important. Although, as far as medical science could test him for his hearing, uh, hearing is measured in decibels. It was said that he didn't hear anything. But the body heat, we hear with our toes, our fingers, the body feels. I always say to the actors that it's very important to be blind, to be deaf, as well as hearing and seeing exteriorly. By being blind and deaf, we have also a different time and space. And the third major influence in my work was the meeting of another young man, Christopher Knowles. I just did Parsifal with Chris in Hamburg and wrote the a new Parsifal. He was playing in the repertory of the Kalia Theater in Hamburg. of this piece was the last 10 minutes of the performance. Chris could do anything he wanted. And each performance, he would do something different. And this particular occasion, he chose to say the word tape recorder for 10 minutes. It's so beautiful. It's that key. It's so light. But he could maintain this line. Keep it alive. Never forcing, pushing. And I was very moved. The audience wasn't. <laughs> they were coughing, anxious. As we were leaving the stage, uh, <coughs> it was like that. And Chris turned to me and said, Who cares to have your mind be so smooth? It's so beautiful now, it's playing impossible. That's uh, at the end of the first act. Again, the reason, unfortunately, fine. 
talk a little bit about actors now. In the beginning, I understand that you really didn't care whether actors were trained or not. And now I have the feeling that you like extremely well-trained or certainly talented actors to work with. And yet you manage to stylize their way of moving and performing considerably for each of the productions. Hmm. Could you talk about that development a bit? Well, generally speaking, if someone is comfortable with oneself, then it's easier for them to relate to someone else. So in the beginning, I worked with people who were not trained as performers. And that was basically my idea. If the person could be comfortable in the situation that I was creating, then we could have an exchange with the audience. And I wasn't particularly interested in seeing any display of skills. Um, so I would try to find a situation where people could be, could be themselves in the context of my play. I wasn't asking something extraordinary from them. And that still fascinates me. I just finished uh, Sunday of a uh, six-week workshop in Berlin for a new opera with David Byrne. It's a stage A workshop. I'll go back next year to complete it. And I worked with some people who have never performed before. I worked with a beautiful old man who was a cabaret performer in the 20s in Berlin. He was Gaga, an institution for elderly. For the most part, the people who are trained who have skills in the field. Um, still, the display of skills. Good performance should be like a dog. When a dog does a trick, he does it with no bones about it. Boring to see how people do it. The problem I have is that the training, for the most part, is wrong for the work that I do. Uh, my theater is different in from most of what's happening in the theater. Europe and America, and that it's, uh, for the most part, a non-interpretative view. I'm not interested in interpretation. Many people accuse me of anti-theater. Um, I don't think it's the responsibility of the author, of the director, or the actor, to interpret the designer. That's not our responsibility. That's the responsibility of the public, of the audience. We present to the audience ideas, and they can put them together in whatever way they want. And that's one of the biggest problems I have in working with trained actors, is that they're taught to interpret. 
play to work with other designers. There's nothing wrong in having interpretations, but we want to leave them open-ended. Right now, I'm about to do a ballet at the Paris office. I'm terrified. I'm not trained in dance. I can't even touch my face. <laughs> I'm getting old. I love the ballet. God, it's going to be difficult. Because the training itself very different. Basically, the, the problem there to me is the work they're doing. I mean, they're great technicians. I'm working with one of the world's greatest but the biggest problem with all of them is that they are the movement outside. If I move my hand like that, that's one thing. But if I move my hand like that, that's another. Inside movement, exterior movement. And the ballet, for the most part, in that, that house or that company, but almost any company, has that, that one problem. It's too exterior. To, uh, exterior. The emotion is not centered in the right place. I just uh, I directed a look of testaments to start. And uh, I was just in Chicago talking to people there about doing My argument is so difficult to find singers today that can sing the look. They just can't do it. The training's all wrong. They don't stand for it, first of all. There's only one way you can sing the look. And that is to stand here. The feet are not on the floor. Thank you. 
the question. Not to say, what is it? So yes, to answer your question, uh, I am working with trained people, and it is interesting to challenge both them and me. Um, I'm still fascinated looking at people on the street, seeing them on stage. The theater's a forum. It should be a place where anyone can have a voice. Do you, or how much do you ask for the actor to bring to you, and how much do you impose on the actor? Um, I work in different ways. But generally speaking, especially in the last years, I impose, in the long run, uh, a rather rigid form. Not all the time, but generally speaking, I impose a rather rigid form on the actor, which is something else that's for, for many actors to work with. Because their training is different, especially actors who came from the 50s, the late 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, they're just training. Um, frequently, my work is very formal, so that it, this hand moves here in 10 seconds, this is a pause for five, this is a turn in three, that's a down in one. So it's choreographed, the way a ballet is. And usually you have to do it many times in order to be free. You have to be mechanical in order to be free, which is the reverse of the way many uh, think and are trained. They think to be free is to do some good, good, not. Um, I don't agree. I think that if, with my work, one can't repeat something too much. Like if you want to play Mozart, the more times you play it, the chances are the better you'll be, the freer you'll be, the master the better. Frequently, like the piece I just did in uh, the workshop I just did in Berlin, I did another one before that, I'm doing a new opera for the Hamburg office, Ralph Lieberman's last production in Hamburg. And I did a workshop prior to the six weeks in Berlin. In Hamburg, I usually break my work down in two stages. A year in advance, I do a, a workshop which I create, write the material. And usually in these workshops, I go with a blank book. No idea. First day, I don't know so much what I'm going to do. 
so the participation of the performers, of other people, designers, technicians, whomever's in the room, we, we talk about it, and we discuss it, and we make or write the work, create the work. And that's a kind of uh, playwright that can sit in a room, designer, work alone. I like to sketch uh, in a room with people. So the work is written that way. So frequently, one will get up and do something with an improvisation. And then I work with video tapes now, almost all of them. Constantly, in the, the workshops I just did in Germany, uh, everything is video tapes. And then I began editing either from the tapes or with assistants who are making notes, selecting what seems to work until eventually we make a decision, okay, this is what it should be. And then I like to start repeating. And I don't feel like to change. Uh, when I get fairly close to a finger, I'm not very good at changing. I'm not one to change. Even if I've made a mistake, I let it go. I think it's better say, okay, now let's take what we have and make that work. What does making it work mean? Um, well, it's, I think it's a question, uh, Jennifer, of uh, balance. Of, um, I'm trying to hear something and I'm trying to see something. I was in Chicago tonight still, and I was supposed you can't hear the office simply because you can't see, period. And so Tosca, the Met, cannot hear the lady singing because of the damn lights. That's absurd. I was at the Brooklyn Academy of Music last night. Jennifer was there. Simply can't see. Therefore, it's very difficult to hear. Make up your mind. You want to look at that corner of the wall, or do you want to look at the lady singing? You want to look at that corner of the wall? Okay. But know what you want to look at. Why is that the brightest spot on stage? <clears throat> but it's that's what I mean about working in a sense. You're trying to make a balance of. Can I hear this? Can I see this? Can I think about this? And sometimes I make a mistake by putting this here, that there, so this is competing too much with that or something. I think that's what I mean about working. There's a, an easy flow to a piece where I can hear and see. That's basically the two primary ways in which we relate to one another through our audio and visual senses through hearing and seeing. My big argument with most of what I experience in the theater is that um, what we see is uh, subservient to what we hear. It's always decoration, therefore superfluous, unnecessary. Uh, 
I'd rather hear read Hamlet at home than go to the theater and hear it. There's something in the way of me thinking about that text. I've seen the costume, the gesture, the tone of the voice. text. I think there was printed once a statement that you made that rather inflammatory <laughs> hated text or something like that. No, it's not true. I would say the most important thing is the actors. I've never done a play since the very beginning. Voice is the most important thing is to listen. That little piece of paper that man found like this man listen. He listens very carefully. Then maybe the other. And uh, so many times I find that the uh, the tone or sound of the voice uh, prevents me from hearing. That the uh, actor trying to impinge on me, my body, my mind, uh, prevents me from hearing. Sonnets. I just heard someone read them in Berlin. It was so awful. So terrible. So beautiful. Music. Uh, but I always tell the actor that the last word should be like the first word. saying the line before they have to say it, so that when they say it, it's already happening. Einstein said once to a reporter, the reporter said to Mr. Einstein, said, can you repeat what you just said? And he says, no. There's no reason for me to repeat what I just said because it's all the same thought. But it's true.
my time to think about it. I always tell the actors, if you're walking on stage, Is the, the space to to reflect should stimulate our thinking and not stop it. And so often the text doesn't. The word limits my hearing and my seeing. different kinds of texts. The earlier place where I used texts that were like transparencies were texts that uh, made no sense. Nonsense. There was like the weather in this room. Part of the environment. There were words that I wanted the audience to see through. It's a mistake that is 
frequently uh, made with my work is that I'm anti-tax. I think it's because the visuals are very strong. And the visual is not there decorating the text, but is as important as the text. It's a text in itself that uh, people feel that the, the word is, is diminished. It's not true. I'm, I'm always trying to place the visuals. I may not be successful, but my aim is to place the visuals in order for us to hear the text and to think about the text. And I usually think about them separate. Jennifer and I worked on a piece here in New York together, the last piece I did in New York, the Hamlet in the Pioneer Newark. And uh, <coughs> it, he's work was performed frequently in West Germany, and they're usually terrible productions. With my bleeding hands, I tear apart the photographs of the men I love! That's how they do it. I do it with my bleeding hands. I tear apart the photographs of the men I love. I want to kill you. Dramaturg, I think, is someone that you work with extremely deeply to develop your own text, certainly, but to develop pieces with text that are not yours. Can you talk about that relationship a little bit? I'm not a scholar. Um, not a very good student in school. Um, I haven't read a lot of books. And I like talking with someone like a dramaturg, someone who is more scholarly, someone who has read a lot of books, who has a different viewpoint. Um, sense of history. Frequently, those are qualities found in dramaturgs. The best ones have a good sense of time, of structure. I worked, uh, I worked uh, on a number of occasions with a very brilliant man in, in Germany, one of the best there. You can say, Bob, you should take three seconds out of that, you know, move this scene over here, and this color should be colder. Uh, you can talk to me about anything that I'm doing the proportion of the space and whatever. I just saw a photograph of Edwin Bindi before coming. So beautiful. Edwin wise man. I learned more from him than anyone. He never lectured me. <coughs> Scolded me. Or but he could point things out, would help me 
see, to hear better. I learned about light. Light like that. Lightness, measurement about humor, color, proportion, space. The first time I, I spoke with him, he called me on the telephone a long time ago. And I'd done a play at the Brooklyn Academy of Music. And I'd seen him at the ballet many times, but never met him. And I knew his writings, and he admired them very much. Well, hello, this is Edmund Denby. I just wanted to thank you for those performances out of Brooklyn Academy of Music. I went to the before performances of a work called The Life and Times of Sigmund Freud. He said, I almost left after the first 20 minutes, first night, but I stayed, and I'm glad I did. And I went back to see two more performances. And I want to ask you one question. I said, yes. So then the last performance in the first act, you had to the canvas all the way up stage, about so high off the floor. So the last performance, you lowered it about four or five inches, didn't you? Yes, sir. I did. He said, change the whole space. No one ever talked to me about that. I never had a critic to talk to me about the proportion of the space. Shadow and you're trying to get light in the shadow. You might have a dark value on Say to the actor, can you do this? Especially true in Germany. I to do that. They said, sure. <laughs> the man picked up the bottle and put it in his mouth. We were in Japan and asked the, the actress to do that. She'd do all of that see the space around him, the lines that being drawn. It's not an intellectual thing, it's something you experience. To me, theater is not an intellectual thing, it's something we experience, something we, we think about, contemplate. something to experience. Last night in the UFD, is uh, the actress performing intellectual singers support. I did experience. Once I learned to move this bottle like that, form the technique is boring. It's the experience of the actor doing Inside. No director, no author can write or direct that. You can never tell the artist what to feel, nor the public. 
design all of, of your productions. And you, what, how did you begin using your drawings to get to the three dimensions of the stage? And what about your relationship with the assistants? Well, I usually think with a pencil. Uh, I said to Jennifer, Usually I make drawings or diagrams. In all of my works, I can diagram very quickly. Um, and it helps me to see the works readily at once. Uh, see the whole piece. I'm the kind of director or author when I am an author, performer when I am a performer, uh, that has to know where I'm going. If I don't know where I'm going, I can't get there. Um, some directors don't work that way or can't work that way. Some actors can't work that way. I just worked with uh, a sort of brilliant actor in Berlin. He's one of the best in Germany. He's and I admire him very much, and we've worked together before, and it was very successful. He cannot work as an actor by knowing where he's going. He just, he just can't do it. But I have in my mind, I know exactly where he's going in this, this piece I just sketched, because I know I, I have a form. It's a form like this.
จะสุดท้ายจะตายแต่เห็นน้องเราที่มาหาเราไว้ So I work a lot with diagrams and drawings on the structure of the plot, and I do that the dynamics of the piece, light, the light, the architecture. In this piece, I tell the first half is natural, abstract.
reaction doesn't have to be applied. It can be applied. That's my problem last night. No one was making up their mind where they wanted the light. But in this case, the light is thought about from the beginning. It's gone, structured. It's an integral part of the whole. When I work with other people like Jennifer Holder, I don't know exactly how to do this, or there's a whole sensibility of color. How do you balance that? Because there's a great point of color. Moving something from point 31 to 33 to 32, 31 and a half, 31 and a quarter. Again, it changes the whole space. is the one area that I'm that's the weakest although I'm beginning to a bit more with costumes um, I can usually do the decor I love to do the furniture uh, I, I don't really understand fabric and how it works I'm not so good at that on occasion I've, I've uh, Designed a costume. I have worked with a designer, but uh, the one area that uh, feed me a lot. I sometimes work on a concept. Do we want it to be no period, or do we want it to be a good costume? Is on one thing. Only one thing. Line. There are only two lines in the world. There's a straight one and a curve. Make up your mind. What do you want? You want it to be straight or you want it to be curved? And that's usually the problem I have is when I see these. It may be beautiful close up, the fabric or whatever. And I'm just looking at a line on stage. Someone's got a long neck. Do you want to cut it in the middle, high up, or down here? Do you want to make it shorter or do you want to make it longer? Something like that, I talk to about. And we make this line longer. I want to see this hand, so that's what this has to be tight. Work the implication too. I did a piece about uh, eight or nine years ago, a big work in Berlin. And I worked very closely with the costume designer, the makeup people, and the light people. Sewed into the costume all the highlights. So if I want to make a highlight on the folds of this fabric, we sew them white fabric here. Pull out the highlight.
it make a difference to you, to the way you work, to work with a collaborator in developing the piece together, such as Philip Glass and Einstein on the Beach or David Byrne in the forest? Yes, I, I like to collaborate with people. I like to have someone to talk to. I learned from them. So, working with someone like David Byrne is, uh, is great. He's a visual artist. He can talk to me about color, proportion, about structure, about this, as well as about the music. I mean, in working with Jennifer, we, we don't only talk about life, but we talk about the, the whole piece, you know, everything. Is this actor right in that approach, or am I wrong, or, you know, or whatever. Not just about life, the collaboration. Still, I talk, we talk about everything. Bill grew up in the painters, sculptors. very much aware of the visual art, part of the way he thinks. I think there's one last thing I'd like you to talk about before asking for questions from the audience, and that is, I find it quite wonderful the way you do two stages. It's great for developing a budget, and it's great for developing a piece. Could you talk a little bit about that? For me, <coughs> making a a work in the theater is like peeling an onion. Um, you have to always concentrate on the whole. Um, so, I frequently develop a work in two or three stages, with time and between. a year built in between, so I have time to reflect and think about it. The most important class I had, 23 years of no time in school, 16 years in school, the most important class I had at the Pratt Institute, a great teacher said one day, she said, okay kids, you have three minutes to design a city. Ready? Go. It was fantastic. Suddenly you just had to think, she was serious. You had to think in a completely different way. Um, and sometimes, I just, I did it in Berlin. They all laughed at me. I said, okay, the first day, I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know, I just knew the Gilgamesh legend story, but I knew I didn't want to put it in Babylonian time. <coughs> I knew I didn't want to tell the old story in that way. I wanted to tell it in another way, a new way. But I had that as a subtext. So I said, okay, first day of rehearsal. Let's take two hours and do the whole work. That time I had it in five hours. Later, two days later, I made it seven. But one reason I changed it, once I saw it in five hours, I said, seven, seven. 
And I did. I didn't know what I was doing, I just made it up. I said, you go over here, you do this, this is going to happen, this is happening. You're an old man, this is a hut, this is forest, the forest is going to move off the stage, mountains are going to come in here, this is going to be the Palace of Gilgamesh, they're going to bring a wall out here, you go over here, you're building a wall. Okay, da 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 Ready? Okay, now let's do it. Let's go ahead. And we did. And uh, it helped me. And the actors are not used to working that way. Especially the Germans. <laughs> but, uh, our education system. They, they work, uh, they can't do anything without knowing why they're doing it. They have to know the cause to make the effect. And I work with effect without knowing the cause. They're a superficial American. He's right. Let's <laughs> <laughs> do it. Later we'll find out, we'll find the causes, don't worry. There's plenty of causes, we'll find them. Let's start with the surface. The mystery's in the surface. Uh, then, for example, in Berlin, what I did, each week in making this piece, starting with a blank book, I tried to do, sketch the whole work and then I would review it. And then at the end of the workshop, I did a final run through and a video for And the piece is pretty much intact. That means that music can be written from it, or text can be written, uh, timing can be taken from it. I did it as a silent work for the most part. I sketched over Haydn and Mozart, Beethoven, African, whatever. I, I won't use it. I sometimes I had the uh, actors speak numbers, sometimes I would take text that I knew weren't right. I knew that in the first act I wanted verse. I'm not sure what the verse would be. Translation of Prometheus, the 19th century. And I liked the sound of the 19th century language, and I knew I wanted to in verse. I don't think I'll use that text, but I had a sense of what the first act would be like in verse knowing I wanted the second act to be in a different kind of thing. But over the last uh, day that I did a, a run through that video tape, now I can study that, I can think about it, and I go back in October of next year to realize it. And I have a year to think about it. It's never because at this time, added to the budget plan, to study that not working under pressure, find this one light instrument and you know it's just enough more money. Um, it's like in painting. I used to paint that on the wall. But uh, I would often get into I have problems with the painting if I work too long on one area. Because then I would try to make all of the canvas work for this one area that was so great. And usually everything else would fall down because I'm trying to make everything work for this one, one spot. Um, and frequently, if that would happen, I would just have to say, okay, scrape it off the canvas. Like a wash or watercolor. Start lightly with all the layers and carefully build all the time. The structure looking all over the canvas. 
because at any moment he will stop holding together the stuff. Just looking at the whole work all the time. I'm afraid if I work too long on one scene, uh, I lose sight of the whole. When he comes to look at the total picture.
it's impossible for us to speak without emotion, without feeling. It's there. We can't live without our emotions. Uh, but we have to be careful not to impose them on, on the other. Our, I've told this story so many times, but I guess I'll tell it again. Because it's something I learned so much from. Something uh, it was in 1967. There was a man who was uh, teaching at Columbia University. He was head of the Department of Psychology, and he made over 300 films of mothers picking up babies and uh, natural situations where a baby would cry and the mother would reach for the baby, comfort the baby. In a 16 millimeter film, in the film you have 24 pictures in one second, so you can look at one twenty-fourth of a second. In 8 out of 10 cases, the initial reaction of the mother in the first three frames, first three twenty-fourths of a second, uh, the mother is lunging at the child, and the child like this. Next to a three frame, she's something else. Next to a three frame, something else. Next to a three frame, something else. The mother is terrified when she sees the film. It's not so simple. Romeo says he loves Juliet. Very complex. So that we look at it like a little bird on a limb. You know, what is it? What I'm saying. It's a question. Um, although, of course, we're saying it with feeling, with emotion. Uh, it's the right uh, tone of the voice, the right color, that creates a space where we can leave the situation open ended and go home and think about it, not to conclude it with the last word of the person. It's already happened. Um, I was supposed to do it in uh, September. And, uh, my problem is to find the actor. I, I, there were two that I found. And there was one man I wanted very much to do it. And, um, then he pulled out, and then I pulled out. And I was supposed to go to Frankfurt in January. I was trying to avoid it. They want me to do the. If I can find the actor to do it, it's so difficult to do. But uh, I mean, the English actors that I've seen do it are sometimes close, but they're usually too heady. German far I think you need a, a comic Not to play necessarily like a comedy, but have to uh,
be very honest, I don't think that was the greatest thing I ever did. I, I did 10, I had 10 premieres in 12 months last year. So. I did a lot of work, I'll never do that again. And they weren't all little. But, uh, I did that, uh, I had my stage A workshop. And then I, the, the concept was a, maybe an interesting one. I don't think it's quite work, but the concept, I did. I was asked to, uh, Salivate scholar, and I was told that I would only have the secret for a few days. And uh, <laughs> so it turned out it was one singer I had only for the same two days. <laughs> Not a lot in two days. <laughs> so I said, well, okay. I'll do it. And what I did was the stage like so. I said, okay, the ups, upstage zones will be predictable in here. They'll all be seen. And that'll just be pictures. And that'll tell one story. It'll have its own construction. And that play the music and move the scenery and the model. So that alone almost could be like a then I took the downstage zone of the stage and said this would be for actors. We could do the action of the play. And I staged that with students in New York University. And I had done uh, the same students as the Hamlet machine. these kids another experience. They were young and I was giving them a similar story. So I decided to do a very impression of the German impression. I thought that. That's how they do it. How do I do it? How do I do it? What should I do? What is the wrong thing to do? A new experience. So I did all of the stage action in the downstage zone. It was all Then I had the singers, which I didn't have for a very long time, on a platform here. And Thank you. 
I'll be facing the audience. Bar 72. Let me write that down. Bar 72, face the audience. That's a long time to turn around. <laughs> 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 
Well, anyway, we went through all of these notes. This is the chair where uh, John the Baptist will sit. He's not there, but uh, it'll be lit specially. And, uh, you should always feel the presence of that chair, but never look at it. You should know that it's there, but never look at it. On this side of your body, you feel it. Yeah. At this moment, you start to look at it, you don't look at it. You look at it, you look at it in one second. Hold it four seconds. Take your head back in 15 seconds. Ooh! <laughs> very precise. Yeah. Okay. How many seconds do we have? Four, five, four seconds. So I'm as far as going from now. Well, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do all of this. Stuff. Then we went out and I said, you know, I've lifted this piece very carefully. <laughs> all these specials for you. For your hands here, for your face here, and the color's going to change here and there. Can I show you some of these lights? So, yeah. so I'm good at trying to fly. That's great. I said, okay, now this is a hand special here. And your, your hand will be warm and you turn it over here and it'll be very cold. Then you can just turn the light on. You lift cold light from here, this is warm light. You go over here, turn over here. Okay. Let me do that. Okay. Bars on so here. These bars can be. Ooh. Well, I'll try. They turn the light on. No, no. Look at the angle. The angle has to be like that. The light person has to be perfect. Try to the light off of those people. Okay, I'll try. So we went through the light. This was 20 minutes to 7 now. Since, well, <clears throat> okay, I've got to do the general rehearsals, but I've got to sing from the score tonight because I don't remember all this music. But I'll try to do the best I can in the general So she did. She sang for a lot. Voices. Okay. She did about half of A lot. Doctor, singer, I mean, already it's amazing. So, <clears throat> I said to her afterwards, I said, uh, Would you like to work tomorrow? She says, No, I don't. I, I've got to learn this music. I have to spend all day tomorrow studying the score, and I can't think about anything. I'll think about these notes you told me. I said, If you want to call me, here's my number. Any problems you want me to come, I'll be there. Fine. She called me Sunday morning, the day of the opening. She said, I'm real nervous about those lights. And I said, we just go through it once again. You talk me through it. And I said, well, I'll cry. I, I don't know if we can get in the theater. But let me call the opera house and see if to turn the lights on. I'd like to do it at 4 o'clock. The premiere was at 7 I said, I'd like to do it for about 45 minutes. I said, fine. So I called up here and I said, no way. Gosh, this is saving her life. No way you can turn any lights on, we can't do it. You can go and stand on the platform and have a general light, but we can't turn the lights on. So I called and told her. She said, oh, I'm going to do that. I said, I want to talk to you. 
so we went. And I said, no, the light's going to be coming from here. And this is the light from there. I just hope it's, you can see the conductor and it won't be too blinding. And blah, blah, blah. So I talked her through it. Again, this is Hope Clark, and thank you for listening to Masters of the Stage. This program was made possible by support from Stage Directors and Choreographers Society, the National Labor Union celebrating five decades representing the needs and aspirations of its members. Visit us on the web at www.sdcweb.org. This online series is presented in collaboration with the American Theater Wing, dedicated to illuminating how theater is made through the words of the people who make theater. Visit them online at americantheaterwing.org.